Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 66 of Utopia to Me with me, your host, Chris Locke. How's it going? Where are you right now? Are you on a tractor driving fast away from the law with a straw hat on blowing in the breeze? It just blew off and landed on a cow's head. Is that where you are? Is that where you're listening to this right now? I'm interested. I want to know. Here's the thing. We're back after a long hiatus. Can you believe it? It's dark, jan- cold January in Toronto, Canada, and uh, we took four months off. We, I took four months off because my schedule was erratic. I'm a new dad learning how to do things. Couldn't match guests up sometimes. Sometimes I'm on the road, but here it is. We're back. We're a little bit more organized with our lives, and uh, and we're starting to get uh, we're we're rolling. We got more guests lined up for Utopia to Me, and I miss chatting with people about crazy ideas and all kinds of fun. And I hope you miss listening to it because this episode is great. It's a doozy. It's Aurora Brown. All right, super funny, uh, smart, fun lady from. Uh, Toronto Second City alum, and she's the, one of the stars and creators of Baroness Von Sketch Show, which is made here on CBC. It's so funny, one of uh, my favorite shows, and sometimes I get to show up on it and go, hey, I'm, I'm a dumb person. Um, that's usually the character I get. I'm not making, it's not about the show, it's about how I'm always typecast, because, you know what, I play dumb well, um, and smarmy, and weird, and uh, goofy. But I, I uh, love chatting with Aurora. You're going to love listening. And we had a great time. We were looking out the window at the cold, dark January Toronto trees, um, just standing still in the dead of cold. But we were warm inside, cozy on the couch, laughing, chatting. You're going to love it. I'm so glad we're back. I hope you're glad, too. Here it is. This is episode 66, uh, ready to roll. Check it out. It's Aurora Brown. Enjoy. Hey, you got the mug with the... That's from my dentist's office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kathleen just gave this to me. Islington Bloor Dentist. Cosmetic Dentist. Do you yeah, know? go. that's our sponsor. <laughs> go to Islington Bloor Dentist, everybody. Oh, right on. Oh, that's Wolfman. Sorry. Hey, kitty. So you will be bothered by cats and babies during this podcast, probably. So that's okay, because that's like my life at home. Yeah. So that's okay. That's what it sounds like. Oh, that's nice. Away. See, as soon as I like tried, he was like, no, no, I tried to pet him and he just walked away. Yeah, they're just kind of, well, actually, that's Wolfman, but it's a girl. We named her Wolfman oh, she... before she knew it was, we knew it was a girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's confusing in here. That's okay. That's Bernadette. Hi, Bernadette. They were both shaved recently, so they're like really loving the... Oh, they, liquidity of their bodies they feel great we shaved our cat because it was so hot and he's long hair and he got way more petting before like after we shaved him because it was so it was such a nice yeah like, rubby kind of it's like when your friend gets a crew cut and you kind of keep rubbing their head <laughs> i do that that's what i do i haven't seen a crew cut in quite a while neither have i but i miss them you know what's funny is as a teen, maybe because i was like a punk rocker skatery kind of guy but i shaved my head all the time so i had that like buzzed yeah sort of fuzz most of my teens um and then i got bald and now (laughs) i'm like what the hell i never fully enjoyed the hair now you wish you had that hair back yeah because when my hair grew out it was giant it looked like a giant apple was it curly yeah i guess it's curly your hair it curled in the front a bit it was really weird i'd love to see those photos yeah, I think I got one or two. Not a lot of good photos of me as a teen. I was like, yeah. you know, gross and pouty and wearing pri- <laughs> Primus t-shirts and stuff. Ew, 
Yes. I saw yeah. them in concert. Me too. When? Uh, it was the first Lollapalooza. Um, then I saw the, I was there. I was At right Molson beside Park? you. Yeah. Oh my God. That's when I saw them. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Kid, yeah. We were kids. Yeah. I was in university and I guess I was in fourth year. Oh, you're in university. I was grade 10 maybe. Yeah. I'm grade pretty nine old. Nine or 10. I'm pretty old. I got kicked so in the, old. I got kicked in the head at that concert too. Because that was the one that Fishbone was at, I think, right? And like, yeah, that's right. And, and Rage Against the Machine was Rage Against insane. the Machine. That's why I went, because I was like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, and some guy was crowd surfing but behind us, and we were far back, and then uh, like I just heard this bang, and I was like, oh, what's that? And then I realized, like, I just got kicked in the head from above, you know? Yeah. It just kind of landed on me, and so... What a jerk. Yeah, but I had a great time. Well... Boots, eh? Everyone wore boots, too, when they did it. And you're yeah. like, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, Raging Against the Machine was technically the first mosh pit I was ever in. Uh-huh. And I did not know how intense it would be. Oh, yeah. And as soon as they started, basically, like, shirtless, super muscular men grinded my face into a fine powder. <laughs> oh, God. And I was like, oh, because I was like a scrawny little 15-year-old. Yeah. 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 That's so funny. Same concert. That's so cool. I want to say that... There's a few unique unique things about this episode. Okay. One is it's me coming back after a long hiatus. I haven't oh. done uh, an episode since October. Oh, that is a long hiatus. Yeah. And uh, because of schedules and becoming a dad and learning how to be a dad. Yeah. And touring and stuff, it made it hard. So this is nice. So thanks for being my welcome back episode. Oh, I'm so glad to be it. Second is... You asked to make it at 9.30 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to say it's 9.30 a.m. Yeah, so that I, they understand. I think that's really important so they get where we're coming from. But it's because I'm also a parent and it's yeah. the weekend. And like I know that this morning, they're, like I leave my house. Sadiq's and Sebastian are just going to like chill out and like play Minecraft. And you know that's probably what we'd be doing anyway. Yeah. But later on this afternoon is when we'll like go out and do things. And so... Um, I think we're meeting up with Paloma and Oscar later. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I like the morning like, and I'm like, you're a parent. You're probably going to be up anyway. Right. Like why not? Why don't we just use these moments in the morning? Yeah. Except this brings me to the third and final unique thing is apparently we both had really late nights. <laughs> yes. And I, it's true. I'm up at like seven all the time now and I'm used to it. But for some reason I didn't. One of my shows last night ended at midnight, and then I drank with friends that I haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. So this is a hungover early morning welcome back podcast. I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll definitely add some flavor. Oh, yeah. But I feel like no matter what time of the day, I always sound like I'm tired anyway. So here we go. Here we go. Um, but yeah, so what do you, do you guys have... Th- what are you planned for afternoon? Uh, we're like going walk to... Around? Paloma's going to come over... With Oscar, maybe we'll go for a walk. Like we'll go down to Trinity Bellwoods or something like that. Cool. See, this is a neat time capsule. You can listen to this episode and yeah. be like, "I didn't go to Trinity Bellwoods that day," or maybe you did. Whatever we do, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because she, um, I don't know, but like, we'll just it'll be like a multi-hour low-stress hangout because there's lots of stuff in our neighborhood for uh, for the kids to do. There's stuff that you know that Oscar will like, and he's only. Two and a yeah, half and like and I think we met him at your yeah. post New Year's breakfast. That's right, and uh, little and guy Sebastian being sick. So there's there's lots of stuff that they can both do, and Oscar quite likes Sebastian. Sebastian quite likes Oscar, and 
we'll go for a, another coffee. I'm sure I have one right now that Kathleen got me, but I'm sure later on I'll be restoking that fire. Yeah. Just, nice. just probably talking because Paloma's in the middle of main stage process right now. Oh, really? And that's endlessly fascinating. Is it her first one? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's talk about. Okay, I'll just. Re- I already said it in the intro when I do it, but this is Aurora Brown, everybody. Hi. Super funny comedian who um, has well doing a million things, and we have some stuff in common. I noticed, but uh, yeah. So you started. Uh, after you did Cream of Comedy, yes. you did Second City. Yes. You did like four main stage shows yeah. or something. I, um, that was the year 2000. I had this like really exciting year because I like got nominated for Cream of Comedy and I got hired for the Toronto, for the, for the touring company. And then I moved up pretty quickly in, yeah. my, in my Second City life. And then I did four reviews over a couple of years. And that was actually, if, they, if we were on the schedule that they are on now, back then, it yeah. would have been like... I think five shows, but it was like the first one ran for nine months. The second one ran for 10 months. There were these endless, endless yeah. runs. They don't do that that long anymore? No, they generally do two a year. Like it's like they yeah. have a pretty set schedule, I think now. Uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the early days. Early of days. Everything, bl- comedy blowing up again in this It keeps on blowing city. up. There's like these awesome waves yeah. and stuff. Because there was a sketch blow up back then too. There were like... There was like, it, there was, what was the show? Sketchy at Best, I think. Yeah. It was on CBC and it would like have, it would have different sketch troops up. And uh, there was, Second City was at 56 Blue Jays Way. But then also within that building was the Tim Sims Theater. Do yeah. Do you remember that theater? Did you perform there? Yeah. So like I got into it a, a few years uh, after you, but uh, yeah, I started yeah. performing there. And that was a great room because you had this awesome stage and like 120 seat, like people you had bar service from the second city bar. You got to use their box yeah. office. There was like, there was Steve Del Basso just about the entire time that I was there was the tech. So there's a little backstage. So it was right. like everybody did sk- stages there. And it was, I don't know. I think it like fostered a lot of shows. No, I really miss it. Yeah. I definitely yeah. like, yeah. Jumped into the fire at the Tim Sims playhouse. And, um, but yes, yeah, so we have that in common because me and my friend Brian were nominated for the Tim Sims 2003. Yeah, so that's, that's right. what I, this was yeah. literally like, yeah, three years later, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and then another thing is we have in common that I looked up is we both want to see CA. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't that make massive differences in both of our lives? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're sitting on my couch and I'm wearing sweatpants. Yeah. Big, big time. Uh, and then one thing that I'm very lucky to do is every now and then, I get to show up as a goofy character on your show, Baroness Von Sketch. I know, and you're so funny. so awesome. <laughs> well, we were, oh, thank no, you. It's great. We but were the show is really awesome. And uh, I I tell everyone, too, it's not just that the, that the show is good, but the I, I think I told you a bunch of times, but the crew, like the whole vibe of the show is good. Got like it. even making it. And yeah. you don't get that a lot, you know? Well, I'm so glad to hear that because that you felt that way because like we, we even talked about that when we were starting. It was like, we want to make you know it doesn't have to be difficult and like let's not make it you know like let's make it civilized and fun and uh and so we really tried and like and and so i'm so glad when people feel that when they come on set because we we try for that but most of the time when we're actually shooting the four of us are running so fast like you know we're doing a scene we're changing we're coming back to the scene you know and so it's uh uh, I'm glad that people enjoy it because like why else? I don't know. But it's like also when you get to a, 
when you get to our age, I don't know. It's like, why do it unless it's fun? Yeah. Really? I mean, well, there's lots of reasons like money and all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I've yeah. been, I've been involved in things that were difficult or felt strained or whatever. And, and I don't know. It's like, it's, you spend so much time actually making the thing that that all that time might as well feel good. Yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are running around stressed, but it's not like an an there's not an angry stress. That's it's good. like a let's just get it done. Let's get it done. It and really you're fun. so funny. Oh my god, like I tried to show it well, we were like I, we were working on edits of the scenes you were in and it's like, oh man, which take of these two awesome particular ones are we going to choose? And uh, you're very funny. Oh, that's nice. I can't wait till you see them. I can't wait till um, CBC hears your compliment and gives me a show. <laughs> CBC should absolutely be giving you a show. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, Baroness Von Sketch, so everybody check that out. And then you were on Comedy Inc. for a few years. I sure was, yeah. Is there anything else big that I need to promote or um, reference well, let's so see. people get uh, to understand how successful and awesome you are? I have... Uh, um, a web series that was picked up by ABC in the States. Really? Yeah. Is that Newborn, Newborn Moms? Moms? Yeah. It Amazing. started off here. Yeah. And uh, CBC, uh, CBC and ABC had gotten interested because of a producer we were working with. And then CBC, we uh, the second season didn't end up getting picked up by CBC. And so ABC was like, thank you very much. We'll like pick it up. And so they funded it. And so in, it's... Uh, Are you going to make more? Um, we'll see. I don't know that they're going to continue their digital um, right. arm. So maybe but if not. they if they ca- catch like a new popularity with like a new maybe. fan base, yeah. I never saw Newborn Moms, but I did hear really good things. Thank you. So, you can, yeah, you can catch the first season. And I have to promote. We just got nominated for CSA, and Nadine DeJury, who's the my other partner in that crime, yeah, uh, got nominated for uh, for her acting. I'm so so proud of her, and also like she's actually the one who really made it happen. Like we did it together, but yeah, she's of the two of us in the producing side. Like she's an amazing. Like okay, we're doing this, we're doing this, and I'm always like, great, let's do it. But I'm never the person who's like, okay, now we have to think about this next step. Yeah, I and love those people. I love those people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great at being part of a structure. I'm not necessarily great at like originating the structure. Yeah. Um. So she's she's that she's yeah. So oh, that's awesome. ABC picked it up. Yeah. That's very nice. Newborn moms. Okay, I'm excited. Good. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. So what you did was, which was also inspiring to me, because you know Amy is a teeny weeny right now. Mm-hmm. Um. But you went through. So you went through a phase where you were like. You were actually becoming a newborn mom in yes. real life. Yes. And then did you take some time off? And then all of a sudden, like, once your son was, like, you know, like a little bit more, like you're, you're, you're used to being a mom, That did did you dive back into work more? or? Um, Basically, uh, I'm, this is the <laughs> 9.30 hungover brain working. But what I'm getting at is uh, I'm scared <laughs> about my life. <laughs> And you seem to get have it going on. And uh, your son is like, how old is he now? He's, he's older six. now. Yeah, he's, he's six. six. And so he's, cru- yeah. he's cruising. He's cruising. Well, once they get into the public school system, it uh, like it smooths out it. a lot. That really smooths out because you're not paying for like all the daycare if you haven't. That's when you start making a dream board again. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and it and it just how did we do it? I actually took three months completely off when he was born, 
up until then, like I was working, I was, I was still auditioning for things, but then that kind of dropped off as I was getting more obviously pregnant. But like Chris and I were like co-writing a musical with some friends. We performed it while I was eight months pregnant. And the people, people were at, were like acting like I would, had joined Cirque du Soleil. I was like, I balanced on one foot for one scene. Like it, it was okay. Yeah. Um, and then I did take three months completely off. Um, but there's not really so, employment insurance and maternity leave for yeah. for actors because you're a weird freelance. I'm, maybe I could have gotten more from the system, but I'm not really up on my paperwork. Um, and then I started working again, but it was definitely like there were definitely a few years where it's like I'm not working as much. The you know the iceberg the 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 Titanic was just scraping the iceberg a few years like even even up until a few summers ago financially that's for sure but yeah. i mean chris and i just had to do a lot of juggling because he's also a full-time actor and we we don't necessarily have like joe jobs but like both of us were like teaching and that was like our regular gig oh i see yeah. and i was just fortunate enough for my own on my own side that like i would get enough gigs that we could like keep or that like i, I could keep my end of things going but also the main thing is that we had um, a lot of extended family helping us with babysitting. Like, uh, on my side of the family, Sebastian is the seventh grandchild, and everybody is, like, older than me, and their kids are the thing, and they're established. So we didn't really get as much babysitting from them just because they were extremely busy. But Sebastian is the first grandchild on Chris's side, and his mom had just retired the year before he came. And so we are so indebted to Karen Siddiqui, who, <laughs> <laughs> who came and like, yeah. and and also Chris's sisters who did so much babysitting for us, and and it's amazing because like we have that family. There. That's very nice. Do you guys have family? My mom is is with uh, our daughter a lot. Yeah. yeah, she's it's her first grandkid. But on Kathleen's side, it's they they've have kids. It's like this opposite. Yeah, yeah. kids galore. But they but uh, but both sides help out a lot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Big shout outs to the families. Oh, huge, huge. In fact, Kathleen and I are having one of our very first uh, solo date nights tonight <gasps> that we haven't had in like months and months. Oh, that's so exciting! And uh, her sister is coming to look after Amy. What yeah. are you gonna do? Drink. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not too much though, because being hungover is. The I worst. know. What's, the, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, I don't even drink that much anymore. Do you find that? And then you go. I barely and like, drink. Yeah, I barely drink. It's crazy. Yeah, because when I do, it's because it's like I can, I'm like weed the next day, fine. Booze the next day, like I get hungover and sick really easily. And like the important part is like if only people could babysit in the morning, right? Like that would be the really sweet time. Um, but yeah, I just don't. I hardly drink anymore. I mean, to be just go, to go back with your like, oh, I stayed up too late. I stay up till midnight pretty regularly. Like I have not given up the dream of like looking at all the movies on Netflix and like yeah. we stay up. I don't know. I find, find that we just have to for our relationship, like to stay up and like talk about documentaries and blah, blah, blah and play a game or whatever. Like to yeah. stay sane. That's and, nice. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of do that too. I should say too that the Sadiqs that you're mentioning is Chris Siddiqui who yeah. also did this podcast before. Yeah. It was a good episode. Yeah. Very nice household you guys have. Thank you very much. I think these people know you pretty well now. What do you I, think? I think they do. I think they do. Sounds very nice. So, and then you know what this is about. You have to talk about your perfect utopian world. Do you have any ideas? I do. It sounds like you've got it going on. I already think in your a real lot world. about this. I have, well, I, <laughs> but I think a lot, I spend a lot of time in fantasy. I read, I love sci-fi and fantasy. And oh, really? So I spend a lot of time reading about different utopian, like 
differently positive. What can I hear? What are some of your favorite <laughs> sci-fi books? My favorite author, and I'll say just like author, period, is Ursula K. Le Guin. She's the one who wrote the Wizard of Earthsea trilogy. Yeah. Most people know her through those books. I have The Dispossessed yes. or something. Yeah, but I haven't read it yet, but I'm excited. I heard it's amazing. Well, she is generally, I find her amazing. And The Dispossessed is the first book of hers that I read. Like we had it sitting around for whatever reason. I read it in high school. Yeah. And that's like a dystopian, You. that's actually a world about a story about a, a, a utopian experiment. Uh, I can't even get into it. There's like, I'll spend the whole podcast talking, talking about it, but yeah. she, she writes that a lot. Like she, she does, um, okay. I'm almost chip away like, at that next then. Oh yeah. It's it's really, I can see it on my shelf. Yeah. 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 I'm psyched. I have and a little side. It's about a mathematician. Section. It's about a mathematician who comes from like the moon where there's this like utopian socialist society and he's come back to the, world they all came from which is a super capitalist rich in resources world and he's trying to kind of bridge the two and you know he's disillusioned and yeah um and uh at the same time he's yeah it's it was very good and um things about it yeah it helped me kind of understand some things politically you know like the downsides of communism and socialism and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then it really shines a light on the 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 inequalities of of a oligarchical society and you yeah. know and the sexism inherent in some of them and blah 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 but then she has like she has so much I, i'm I, literally I, thinking of trump's speech like yesterday oh, god this is yeah. what a day for us to be talking about this like yeah yeah isn't that weird it's so weird. isn't it funny how like sci-fi too like dystopian sci-fi from like 50, 60 years ago is so prescient mm-hmm. now. Like yeah. we are sort of in this weird, yeah. It's, a, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I think I'm normalized. I've normalized it now. I'm used to the idea of him being president, but that first week when he was elected, I, it was, I haven't been depressed by world events for a while. Like Yeah, that was heavy. Yeah. I think it's, is it more depressing than 9-11? <laughs> Okay, I've thought about this because I was just going to say I haven't I never been thought like of that, that before. 9/11. But yeah, 9/11, me too. That's, what, that's the big, that's the last big one. Nine eleven was so scary though. I was like, because it was like all bets are off. It's like, what is about to happen? Like, yeah. are we? What are we heading into? Like, our plane? Like, is it bombs happening now? Like, there was that, yeah. and there wasn't the immediate right. threat of that with him. But it was still like, who is looking around? Like, am I at a party with aliens? Like, what's going yeah. on here? And. Well, yeah, Kathleen and I watched his speech yesterday at the uh, inauguration. CIA, no, oh, the, the CIA, right? And we were like, "This is really um, incoherent and scattershot. Like, it doesn't make yeah, sense." Yeah, I think he actually he's like he's got a condition. I think he's a narcissist. Like, he's got full on narcissism, and not just like he thinks well of himself, but like he's got that same thing that like. I think I, I think Gian Gameshi was the same way, you know, like just so invested in how people perceive him and elevate him. He gives he gave Fox News a compliment because of the good reviews they gave him, you know, and and his speech was also like full of inaccuracies. And then his his spokesperson, who was like the press secretary or whatever, like got mm. up and gave this long speech, also full of like very ver- verifiable lies, you know. Yeah, and they're just lying all the time. Well, they were both ranting basically about um 
the fact that people thought not a lot of people went out to see his inauguration speech. Yeah. Like, yeah. what's that about? That's just about. Are you always just going to be fighting with yes. what? How popular you are? That's like, exactly for your what he is. Presidency, like, yeah. it's really bizarre. That's. I think he. That's what he's most concerned about. Like, who's on his side and who isn't? He's kind of like. I guess there's a human being somewhere deep in there, but like, he is. Um, that's his. That's his mode. He's, he's just. You know what? My what? I got a Fitbit and I was interested to check my heart rate just because we're talking about this stuff and it went up a bit. It did. Yeah, I got a glow excited. I was like, oh my God, I'm playing with my hair more. It's like, Jesus, you know, like pulling it out. And, yeah. But, but let's get back to the, okay. then the sci-fi dystopian okay. utopian stuff because yes. I like that stuff too. Yeah. But it is, it's in- insanely comparable to today. Yeah. I mean, I guess it always has been. That's why they were influenced to write that. But Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the best, the best stuff makes you think about how different the world could be possibly um but you know has a truth that you can identify with i like william gibson also and he always writes in like near future kind of stuff and there's some so much of what he's written that it's like oh my god that's happening you know he's very he's very See, i haven't read way. him either but he's is he necromancer neuromancer neuromancer yeah, right. he's Necro the one, something yeah, different yeah. <laughs> but he's the one who came up with the term cyberspace yeah and yeah. um uh, Neuromancer I still think about that book like there's little bits of it and like a lot of his other books he has a trilogy um, after Neuromancer Mona Lisa Overdrive and oh, shit what's the third one it's so early I've forgotten uh, Count Zero yeah and, um, and but then other ones as well and he's really about details of culture and stuff like that he always talks about earth and like where we've gone and he clearly loves Tokyo because you know there's a lot of dystopian Tokyo kind of things going on and um, oh really yeah but if have we're you ever talking been to Tokyo? about have I, I have been to Tokyo really yeah I want to go I went traveling after university and we went like six months around the world kind of thing and we went to a beach in Thailand for a week and a half and then Tokyo so it was like Whoa. Tokyo was the biggest um culture tra- but like you know it's like you can buy a melon that's been grown in a square box for a hundred American dollars and the bubble was just kind of finishing then and it was it was the the homeless people living in cardboard homes under the bridges were dressed better than we were because we were at the end of like, you know, a backpacking trip and we were all frayed and, you know, one pair of jeans and yeah. it was everybody running. We went, it, it, we went down to like Shinjuku square and it makes Dundas square look like somebody's front yard, you know, like it's just yeah. like so huge. And I didn't, I barely even dipped it into to Tokyo and I'd love to go back. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I've never been to, Anywhere in Asia. Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. It was uh, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. We went to a bunch of places. We went to Vietnam. So when you read William Gibson, you can sort of. I can uh, you get a, a better vivid idea. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But if we're talking about utopia, and like visions of the world that I would love. Yeah. Um, I have to go back to Lord of the Rings because basically, I'd love to live like a hobbit. I would love to live in Hobbiton. Um, I would love to live like in... with the ignorance of the outside world. Well, that's a good question. That's true. The hobbits, <laughs> the hobbits don't really know, and like in a way, and like and with w- the ignorance of how gross your feet look. Hey, no, not yours. <laughs> but if you were a hobbit, <laughs> that's true. I actually have fairly hairy feet if I don't take care of them. Oh, um, that's why you're like, hey, yeah, you're like, hey, how do man. you know? Um, no, yeah, I but, don't. I, but imagine you do like, not have hobbits' feet. No, no, that's true. But but imagine just running like the you know you're in such a beautiful pastoral area that you never have to put shoes on. 
that yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I love cozy little houses. Like, I'd love to have a round door and that kind of stuff. But I am always aware that, like, <laughs> you know, there's a point in the book where Gandalf says, like, the hobbits don't even realize that their safety is guaranteed by the ceaseless vigilance, I think, of the of Aragorn and, and all the other um, uh, rangers. Yeah. Who basically are kind of guarding them all the time. And they don't even know. But also, there's, like, the really utopian part is at the very end of the book. Have you read it? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, have I you just, seen the movie? Yeah, I know from the movies. Okay, well, there's a couple big things. I only read on. The Hobbit. Oh, all right. Well, Lord of the Rings is a huge slog. That's for sure. I know. But it's one of my favorite books. I've read it about... i read it... Like, every couple of years, I reread it. Really? And All um, three of them? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great story. And the language is amazing. I thought I was a good reader. You're, like, crazy. I, I like to read. I have a lot... Of, well, you saw I have a lot of books. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. But there's this part at the very end where they get back to the Shire, and... Um, it's actually been destroyed. Saruman sent some people, and like, there's this whole thing. It's called the Scouring of the Shire, where some the very last gasp of the of e- forces of evil is that they go and they've taken over the Shire while they're away, and they've like cut down the party tree, and they've enslaved the hobbits, and it's like there's a gross factory going, and it's this is the part where you realize that J.R. Tolkien like hated industry, and the, he saw industry take over pastoral England, and this is where he's really describing it. So they beat away all the the enemies. And then um, Sam, when he was in Lothlorien, I'm a major nerd, um, <laughs> his gift from Galadriel that she gave him uh, that he's never used until now was this box that was filled with beautiful silvery gray, gray dust. This is all seed. not in the movie. This is totally not in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that what she gave him was one, the seed of a uh, Malorn tree. And the Malorn tree are the huge trees in Lothlorien that the elves live in that have their big... You know, they have their big tree houses. So those trees, the Malorns, they get a lot more description in the book. And they're huge, golden, incredible elven trees. So he, um, and the, the dust is this like magic, magic garden dust, basically. So he goes around the whole Shire, putting the tiny bits of dust, planting trees. Um, and he plants the party tree thing and they wait until spring. Wait, and who and does? Sam does this. Okay, Sam. And so Sam's cooler in the books. He's way cooler in the books. I just hate him in the movies. Isn't that? Br- I almost uh, won't watch the movie. I know. Because of Sam. I know. Every time. Well, and Sam just, and Frodo, they're both just dinks. I mean, I, I like Frodo, but <laughs> Sam just gets on my nerves every single yeah. time. More, more. Every time I watch the movie, it's more. And I just end up like holding my middle fingers up every time he's on screen and I feel Maybe so bad. Maybe I'll, I'll bring those books with me. <laughs> to florida i do have them i because oh, yeah. i bought like uh some like i think it's penguin released like these really beautiful editions yeah. like a year ago and i bought them but i haven't d- dove in yet yeah it's an, it's funny because the two towers was my least favorite of the movies maybe because how it's my cool favorite. would a grown man look on a beach reading lord of the rings amazingly cool yeah. <laughs> no sure not no do that you'll like people will be like oh you know and i read it somebody will come up to you and start chatting with you because of it i'm sure yeah maybe yeah you're probably right um, okay, but I cut you happens? off. But okay, Sam, but what happens? Sp- Sam sprinkles this. So spring happens, yeah. and it's like beyond his wildest dreams. It's kind of like what you need at the end of that long, long saga of like death and you know volcanoes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and everything just not only heals but like bursts into more. Like there are more babies born that year, and they're you know the crops are incredible. The the long bottom leaf is the best. Um, um, there's like there's just an incredible bounty of of crops and so on, and also the 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 tree grows like twenty times. So they they have this beautiful year of like just everything going right, and it just it just sounds so ideal to me. Um, and you know, the, you, apparently you can now they've they've left the set of 
of Hobbiton. Um, they, it's now in permanently Zealand? in New Zealand. And I don't know. I, th- I think it might be a hotel or something like that. Anyway, you can, you can go and like stay there apparently. Which would be Did, my? Oh, I got a shirt. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's my vision or. No, there's a woman that, that in America actually that I think it's I think it's in the states that built her own Hobbit house. Oh yeah, and you can watch that how she did it YouTube video, and I watched it one time. I would totally do that. Chris, I'll show you the video. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I would do that, but so but you need a Hobbit house big time. I I want a Hobbit house, but I also want a village. I want other people living there, but but. Also, before we get into like the expression of it, I've thought about the math of utopia as well. I was thinking about this on the way here today. I, we would have to fundamentally change. A Am few... I trapped, hungover, talking to a genius right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you are. <laughs> oh my god! Absolutely. Good morning. Good but, Sunday morning. But we'd have to change a few things about how humans are because, first of all, there's too many of us. Like we couldn't. I don't know that we could do this with seven billion people, or however many. There's I, every time I think about a problem in the world, it always comes back to, and there's too many of us. Like we're we grow. Yeah. I think at the moment, if we all really chose to put our resources into the things, into nice things, we could probably make the world work right now, but we're not going to do that because we're idiot, idiot humans. greedy yeah. freaks. Yeah. And um, so I, we would have to do something to, because, you know, populations stay stable, even if the reproduction, if the reproduction rate is low or if there's like so much pressure from without that like people are killed off enough to keep you a, a stable thing. So I'd rather not have people killed that often. I would rather have us have a high enough technology level that we're comfortable and you're not just working to survive, but you can actually like, you know, enjoy culture and stuff like that. But maybe like there's no situation where there's like welcome to the Duggars or whatever, where you have like 11 children, you know, like maybe if, if somehow, um, women you only ever had one child at a time like so for like 18 years you have like a single kid and you're like we just so far china fewer. is your utopia oh god <laughs> i'm just joking yeah yeah but i don't you know like and i say that like i, <laughs> I like I, your reaction though oh god oh god am i saying that but it's just something like that so that we yeah. aren't so out of control because humans like the way we the way we have our estrus cycle um you know like because we have this, you know, we have the menses cycle. So like we can have kids any time of the year. It's not just like every spring that, you know, if you miss, if you miss impregnating somebody, that's it for the year kind of thing. Like yeah. it can happen anytime. We, you know, we have religion, many religions telling us no birth control kind of thing. So that's out. Um, and with the ingenuity that we do have, like we've just stacked the deck so much in our favor that we're, we're like a tumor on the face of the earth, basically. Yeah. I'm. I can't tell if I'm really hopeful or really cynical about human beings, but I guess if I'm saying we're a tumor, we're cancer. Mm, I think it's just reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of are. We're terrible. Like, yeah, there was a guy on the. There's that documentary that Leo made oh, yeah. a few years ago, maybe quite a few years ago now, and then they show the image of you know Earth from space, and it's got all the city lights all yeah. over it. And he's like, that's like a bacteria like a virus that has grown spread across the planet we kind of are like we we're just not we don't the agents from the matrix were right they were right (laughs) (laughs) they were terrible and you know we can do amazing things but we just choose to do terrible things so often so can i ask you one thing because you sparked an interesting thought in my when i was a kid like 15 16 um i had this crush on this older girl and Mm -hmm. uh, what we would do is uh 
go and smoke weed like in this like you know like you'd go to an, a public school at night and just sit there and smoke weed and she was the one that would like make me think all these crazy things mm-hmm. like at that age but and we never kissed what the hell anyways um <laughs> she God, lost her chance man i'm still so mad no i'm just joking but she she was the first one that posed the question to me like would you sacrifice yourself for like the greater uh good of the of the population of the planet like oh. if one third of the planet had to be like nuked or something just to resteady or you know yeah what, what do you think about that okay well getting back to ursula k Le Guin, yeah uh, my favorite author she has a short story called the ones who walk away from omal and it's like it's the least narrative one it's like so it's, they self-sacrifice themselves no this is no. what happens okay she describes a utopia she's like okay there's this city it's perfect um, there's a perfect population. They're in harmony with the natural world. There's lots of art. She goes on and on and on about it, like describing it. You're like, this sounds like an amazing place to live. And she says, but here's the thing. In order, there's some agreement somewhere. We don't know how it's been made, but in order for this city to exist, there always has to be one child who's taken very early from their parents and they are kept shackled in a dark room and not fed and they're mistreated. And not only do you know that that kid has to exist there, but once a year or once every few months, you're made to go visit them and you have to go look at them. And the kid is like pleading, like, please, please, please. And you know that if this kid didn't happen, there'd be terrible diseases and a shitload of people would die. And it's terrible. And the only reason we can have this, this, this city, this perfect city is because that one kid that you have to go and face is being mistreated. And it's a child always, you know? Um, and, there are people who like go and they're like, oh God, okay. Is that they, like a lesson in luxury or something? And or? I think, you know, I think if she wrote it in earlier in her career. I think it's like more of an allegory against, you know, uh, and it's, you, you just know that your awesome life has to come at the expense of this kid. And then she says, but if, you know, there are some people who like say, okay, and they go with it and they like just know they have that knowledge and they feel bad. But then there's also ones who like walk away from the city and go off into the, the unknown kind of thing. It's like the least art. So they don't have to deal with looking at a kid mm-hmm. in a room. They don't, they don't have to deal with looking at the kid in the room. They also know that they're not contributing to it. I don't know. Interesting. Well, I do feel that uh, to a degree when I put on my Nikes. Mm-hmm. We do. Like we do it all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know yeah. the exact conditions of the those factory workers over there and wherever mm-hmm. that make our clothes and stuff. But yeah, that's scary. Yeah. It's, um, and I think you, you know, you get like, even when you're, you know, we're so, we're so connected in ways we don't even know or realize, um, just in the smallest of, of acts. And so much of it is filled with, filled with pain. Chris and I went to see this movie at, um, at, uh, hot dogs called canned dreams. And it was about, how all the things that go into making a can of ravioli that's like sold on the shelf in Finland. <laughs> and we thought, Oh, this would be like an awesome, ver- you know, awesome version of how it's made, which everybody likes. And yeah. it was the most depressing movie I've ever seen. It, it was cause it starts with like the woman in Brazil who helps to mine the iron ore in an iron mine. And she's wearing flip flops and three of her kids have died. And this is her only job. She has no husband and all of them are just working in incredibly unsafe conditions with like, you know, mountains of rocks around them. And you talk about her life and she's very poor. And then it takes you to, um, the place where they kill the cows that go into making the beef. So you actually see a cow being killed and electrocuted. 
and then skinned. And uh, and it's horrific. Like, you know the beginning of Westworld where they have, like, the big circle and the, the human is kind of straddled in it and then they, like, dip it in skin? It's kind mm-hmm. of the opposite of that. There's, like, a big... Um, a de-skinning? There's a big, like, thing. You know, they walk into, like, this big circular thing. They're electrocuted or shot or something. And then the thing, like, just peels their skin off. Then you go to like the place where the um, for some freaking ravioli. Freaking ravioli. <laughs> then it goes to the place where because it's also got, it's got pork and beef in it. So they go to the place where the the pigs who um, create the piglets are kept. And this I saw not that long after I had Sebastian, and this really hit me because the mothers are in these cages and they're being you know forced you know forced impregnated, kept in these weird cages. Um, nursing their babies for a little bit and then the babies are taken away and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I never thought about that part of it too. Like the forced motherhood and then they take away your kids and we know that pigs are pretty intelligent. Later on, you see the grown-up piglets being killed also. And you know, when you think you can't see expression on a pig's face, when you're watching it being ground up to death, you totally can. This is a really depressing... Oh my God. And, and then, then does it end with like watching some shithead eat a bowl of ravioli? It just ends with a shot of like, you know, the, the can on the shelf. And uh, and no one wants it and it covers in dust. Well, and... then I guess you're, that's where you pick up, you know, like your existence of picking it up. No, no, it's like a, it's a well, I think it's a well-known European brand. I don't know it. I mean, it's not the only time. Like when they go to the woman who makes, who like gonna... helps inspect the flower, she's got a lovely life and that's nice. And the women who collect the potato, the tomatoes in Portugal are lovely. Um, Lucky. But yeah, it was a, so like, there's nothing utopian about, about there being this many of us, about automation. There's nothing. I I always come back to like, if there's fewer of us and you have enough. The whole um, planet is like a factory right now. Yeah, it is. It is. (laughs) Um, That's very dystopian. Are we in a dystopia then? Pretty much. I think we kind of are. I mean, I think that we... It's so large. I, I I always find I feel so self indulgent, like saying that here, like on this nice couch, and I p- picture people in Aleppo being like, uh, yeah. "Yeah, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." That's what it is. But it's also the time, right? Like, yeah, you know, like a hundred years ago, like you know, a World War One going on. What kind of labor laws were there? Women, you know, you know, dying in childbirth all the time. Like it's it's the time that we're in. Also, we've we've had a lot of advancements and, um, but yeah, it's the place. Like, it, and and even also like the strata. Like, there's I'm sure a lot of people in Toronto right now who are living terrible lives. And you know, look at all the teenagers on the street. Yeah. And yeah, we are we are privileged. We are in hell. We are in hell. We're privileged and we are in hell. But then like you look at the things like look at the beautiful trees. Like we do live in a great city. People like shit on Toronto and the rest of the country. I know. But honestly, I think if they lived the way where we're living, like it's a beautiful city. We get so much access to food from everywhere. Like, you know, where I live in Little Italy, it's like, what do we feel like tonight? Do we want ramen? Do we want sushi? Do we want shawarma? Do we want Italian? Do we want, you know, this, that? Like it's, it's, it's amazing. And there's trees everywhere in the city and there's like people and we, we have a very lovely life downtown where we, you know, we don't have a car and we're on our bike. You guys live right beside the most, 
the biggest, most lush metro. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> I know. It's so expensive. Like we should be going elsewhere, but it's it's right there. It's twenty four hours. So yeah. At least I go. I off. used to live right there too. Oh man. On Crawford. That's right. That's right. You did. That's yeah. Right. I remember running into you in the neighborhood. Okay, so. Yeah, where have we gone here? Um. I think we got. You were talking about population in your utopian world. Yeah, it's lower. And, yeah. Yeah. And then we got sad about our real world yes but what's that documentary just so people can check it out canned canned dreams sad pig tears sad pig tears (laughs) sad pig tears in a can (laughs) honestly it's it's like the uh, the whole audience was do you think humans would buy pig tears in a can absolutely we would (laughs) oh my god oh my god if you told people it was an aphrodisiac they would buy anything like like think about how many species have like fallen under like you know if we get the kidney stones from this rare animal we'll we'll get a hunters would go in the woods Mm -hmm. trying to like make pigs cry yeah into cans they absolutely would absolutely would Well, think about it right now. We like we take the silk out of a out of spider's body to yeah. make silk with. You know, like it's we're very ingenious animals. It's been a long time. We've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're lucky ducks. We sure are. Yeah, I hope animals uh, don't have the feelings we project onto them, but it's most likely they do. I, I think, think it's weird how pigs. Humans and dolphins are the smartest, and they're sort dolphins of, too, yeah. and we have the same sort of skin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that like cannibals in the Amazon call white people long pig? Really? Yeah. I wonder if we taste delicious. If oh, we're like God, marble here and we awesome, go. and like, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we would just be gagging. In my utopia, I'm eating all of my friends. Oh, <laughs> no, who, just... who would you start with? Who would you kill first? Hmm. hmm. Someone nice and pink and rosy. Yeah. No, I don't know. But maybe, f- like, maybe they're, like, biking around, so they have, like, some... Well, then would their muscles be too tough? <laughs> yeah, somebody really marbled. That would be great. I'm probably pretty marbled. You can eat me. Oh, my God. Thanks so much. <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> um, so you're in, like, a Hobbitown. I mean, Hobbiton kind of thing. There's a lot of conne- connection to nature, like, Hobbiton or, like, Avatar, the world of Avatar, you know, Pandora, like, where there's, like, yeah. uh, where the, the primary connection is, like, connection to nature so i you, saw avatar on a computer screen oh apparently wow. i'm i'm like the worst person because everyone saw it super 3d mega movie screen i'm kind of questioning your morals now because of that but it's it's uh you don't have to see yeah it i'm 3D. a dirty dog see it with good sound because it is it is kind of apparently there were people who like kind of checked out from reality yeah like avatar heads they were depressed yeah because they, they didn't want to live in this world they wanted to live in the avatar world i get that I get that. I'd want to be flying around on a thing and like have my braid connect to anything and you know like live in a live in a home tree and yeah. But then you got to fight those like industrial freakazoids. Yeah. yeah. Now the, when you watch it, it's like and the Americans like welcome to Pandora. Who wants to kill you? You know and like just 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 uh, they're like a fantasy of excess. Those guys too. And didn't it come out like right around the invasion of like uh, Iraq and all that stuff too? I, think so i can never remember what year things came it's out. always so i hate it when it's too on the nose sometimes yeah it was you I know mean, like yeah, yeah james cameron's not really a subtle guy <laughs> yeah um but that was pretty like i'd love to be a i'd like yeah i'd love to live as an avatar like but but the connection to the world the the natural like the the rest of nature being a being the uh, primary part of it that would be a part of my utopia yeah yeah that's nice. Things made out of wood. Maybe, you know, enough technology that we have like solar power and stuff like that. Butterflies landing on your nose? Totally butterflies landing on my <laughs> nose. 
Uh, I would do that. Um, you know, like you have a mill, you know, you... What if you have like big furry beasts like mm-hmm. we do here? Yeah. But there's no, um, you know, there's no fear between us. Yeah. We don't attack each other. I yeah. would love that. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Like being able to hug a bear for real. Oh. See? Yeah. You can do anything you want. It doesn't have to be like the bear of this world. Okay. So I can really make a utopia. Yeah. Maybe I'm being too grounded in science. No, I think it's still a magical place so okay. far. Still pretty magical. <laughs> I would. Okay, well, if we're really. But yeah, you definitely brought thing. a lot of math to it. Yeah. Okay, well, if we're going down that road, I would want to be friends with. Okay, I've I've asked people this question before. Would you rather be I think a dragon? You can hear my baby uh, yeah, I can in totally the background. hear. Yeah, yeah. Is she normally sleeping? This, this is her dystopia right now. Her dystopia is like, not why am I not? Yeah. Come out here and bother us. Yeah. Well, she saw the, the microphone, so she's really into them. I she's know. Like, oh, is it they're happening? But I'm sorry. I distracted you from your magical, your big thought. What if uh, you're, you, you want to be, be friends? friends with a dragon yeah. or be a dragon? And I would want to <clears throat> be a dragon. But if we're talking about utopian things, we're, like I'd want a dragon to come visit. I would love to be friends with animals. You know what's interesting? Uh... My last guest was Jackie Cation. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know her? I a don't. Super funny uh, American stand-up. Uh-huh. She's a big fantasy reader, and right. she was gonna. She rides a dragon in her utopia. Amazing. I wonder if she was she talking about Pern by any chance? Did she read the Anne McCaffrey books where the dragon riders have to? Like, I think it. What the <gasps> hell? Oh yeah, my yeah. god! That's like a classic fantasy series. Yeah. They have all of them. And I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, it's like on this other planet, and there's this like fiery um, thread that, that falls down and like burns all organic stuff. So they've developed these dragons through genetic works that like they took like these small flying lizards that breathe fire and they made them big through genetic alteration. That sounds like it. Yeah, and yeah. then you're a, a dragon. Yeah, it's a pretty because it has this major pressure, right? It has this major cap on the population because you have this huge outside force that um they have to deal with have you read the iliad and the odyssey i have read oh, did i, I, did I find something you haven't read i haven't read the actual original one but i've read like like retellings oh of like yeah, so story read, versions yeah i've read the stories but not the poetry but not the actual poetry poetry no. i mean like excerpts of it but i haven't read the original one wow um, we're finding some cracks we're finding some cracks in the, <laughs> in the, in the veneer but yeah. what was I just going to say? I remember hearing or reading, I think it was in like okay. a sociology class oh, in high school that you, if, if there are, if there is no pressure on a society or too much pressure, you don't get large scale civilizations. But if there's just enough of a challenge, it's challenges. If there's, if, if everything's provided, you're in like a beautiful equatorial island that has everything you need. People don't, there's not much of a requirement to go out and solve a problem. So people are just living their lives in small, you know, the regular ways. They don't have to do too much. Um, if there's too much of a challenge, like if you're living in the Arctic Circle, it's such challenge that you're just like hanging, you're just like making your small thing. But if there's just enough challenge, like the Nile flooding every year, you have to organize yourself around it. And then you get these large scale civilizations like Egypt. So just enough of a challenge is usually what make, like pushes humans to create a mm-hmm. large societal structure that's awesome mm-hmm. i like that because i for me personally it it makes me think of like when i'm super comfortable on my couch and there's like a new show on netflix mm-hmm. i don't get a lot of work done exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah you i need thing- a flood to come through exactly. my living room i uh, i usually yeah. i don't get stuff done if i have nothing to do that day but if i have something to do it's like okay i'm gonna stack them up and yeah 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 no having the the baby was my little challenge to be like oh and then mm-hmm. i started working harder i think here's the thing to answer your question i would ride a dragon 
Okay. I don't want to be a dragon. I I think in the utopia, <laughs> like with a hat on and like a coat. No, you'd be like a big old dragon. I usually choose I would be a dragon, like something like Smog um, in The Hobbit. Yeah. Like that size and that, he's like, why would you wait for somebody to pick you up and fly around? I'd love to fly myself. But if we're talking in this society where it's like, I want my friends and I want, you know, Siddiqui and Sebastian and you and like all our buddies, then I'd want a dragon to show up and join the party Yeah, in that, in that thing. Or I'd be able to transform into animals, but that's a whole other, like, I'd love that power to transform yeah. into animals. But the way you're describing it... Yeah, like that bear guy in The Hobbit. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's I right. like that. But I'd like animals to like be friendly. That would be a nice part of the utopia. Yeah. Wow, she's really freaking out. She is. Do you need to... I guess Kathleen's probably got it covered, but are you? how are you right now? I can't tell if the, these mics would pick that up or not. Well, just so everybody knows, the, baby's, the baby is not happy. <laughs> yeah. Baby. This sounds to me like an indignant cry. Like, no! Yeah, I know. Because yeah. you know why? I bet you, because Kathleen is being super nice and keeping her in the other room, but I bet you that's bothering her. She wants yeah, to go explore. she wants to be out here and like be exploring. I've thrown off Should your Sunday. Should I go ch- check? I can chill here. Also, she hasn't taken a nap. It, I mean, yeah, was Sebastian hard at naps sometimes? Like, would he uh, throw a fit? Sometimes. I mean, he was, he, the weird part was when he would, when he transitioned from three naps a day to two naps a day, two naps a day to one nap a day, because it's like, oh, wait, now you're kind of tired, but we're, you know. Yeah. He was always pretty reasonable about going to sleep. He was never too tough. My mom says I loved sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, who doesn't? I but, still do, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you were just doing it, but then it's like, ah, sleeping. But yeah, naps, they're amazing. But okay. you can't explain that to a kid. Oh. There, it sounds like she talking. Maybe we should get a little more intimate. Maybe a little more, I mean, vo- vocally. Yeah. Vocally. <laughs> yeah, because we sound exciting. We sound exciting yeah. and interesting out here. So like we just have wanna... to cuddle up to the mic and get a little more. What I want to do right now is summarize where we're at. You're, we've got like a Hobbiton mm-hmm. little village. Circular door is very important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, one with nature. Yes. Nature's a big part, like Avatar. Yeah. Um, animals are friendlier. Yes. And a dragon will show up and talk to us sometimes. Yes. That, yeah, that, that covers it so With far. Benedict Cumberbatch's voice. Oh, I wouldn't mind that, I guess. He's pretty good in the Hobbit movies. I didn't finish good. watching those movies. They sucked. sucked. So hard, right? Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. ugly. It's so weird. Like, how did you make... Ugh. It was so obvious that most, more love went into the Lord of the Rings movies than the Hobbit movies. Well, to be fair to Peter Jackson, there was this, you get to see this behind the scenes thing where like Guillermo del Toro yeah. um, signed off or like backed away for whatever reason. So Peter Jackson had to pick it up, but uh, went into production with like almost no pre-production time. So he was totally making bits up as he went yeah, along. Yeah, so he it was it does look like that. It yeah. looks like it was rushed, unfortunately. But I also have some deep issues with like. I don't care about Thor and Oakenshield as much as you want me to care. Like is that keep, the main dwarf? The main dwarf. Yeah, they keep on doing sucks. these like, he kind of sucks. I'm like, I don't actually care about him. I care about Bilbo. I care yeah. about, you know, like they kept on telling, like the music kept on telling me how I should be feeling. And, um, yeah. uh, that, that stupid, um, dish fight they have at the beginning. Yeah. And I was just like, no, no, there's some, some fan. It, could, it didn't have to be three movies. It didn't have to be that. Some fan took yeah. the three movies and edited it into one four-hour thing that just followed what the book did, basically. Yeah. And I think I've gotten an hour into it, and it's like it's already better. It's already better. Really? They just, they took out that whole like throwing the dish bit. And yeah, like they people 
used to make epic movies. Mm-hmm. You can do that still. Like, mm-hmm. what's his name? David Lean. Like, do what he did. You know, like what do- did David Lean do? Um, Lawrence of Arabia oh, or Doctor right. Shivago yes. or something like. Yes, those are magic. Just give us an event type movie mm. instead of like yeah. making it this. I don't know. But like, also, mo- you know, they want to make money, yeah. so they make all these sequels and. But Peter Jackson is also so in love with his technical stuff that he can't just let a scene be. Like, the whole, uh, you know, when I saw the first one of The Hobbit, first of all, I saw it in 48 frame rate by accident. And it started and I was like, because we thought we were seeing something else and it turned out we just got the wrong thing or whatever. And we it started and I was like, oh God, oh God, no. Oh my God. Because it makes it look like a terrible BBC drama on TV Ontario in the 80s. Like, it's yeah. it's terrible. I don't know how anybody said yes to that. So it just ruined that whole first movie. But I was like, it's okay. Smog wasn't in it. I'm here for the whole event for Smog. I'm here for the dragon. I'm here for Bilbo talking to the dragon. That's in, you know, movie number two. I won't make this mistake. Second movie comes. Get to that part. Peter Jackson cannot let a scene just happen between two people. That stupid camera is always swooping and diving and circling. It's like, can you let two people just talk? For yeah. once, just give me a frame where the two of them are in the frame and let me just identify as a human, right? With, you know, like, with your chatting to a goddamn dragon. And he's amazing. <laughs> he, was, he was, like, one of the best dragons ever um, on screen. Yeah. And, but it just was, the, the director's hand was too strong and I couldn't just enjoy the scene for what it was between those two people, those two characters. What a jerk. What a jerk. Peter Jackson. <laughs> I know he had the best of intentions and he loves that material, but yeah. I wish he would just chill out a bit. That's what happens, I guess. Mm-hmm. When you're like that successful, you uh, you forget to stay connected to the audience. Yeah. It just becomes like this weird sort of play for you. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So there's a dragon likes peter jackson's smog yeah because that's one of the best yeah but it's a very he likes humans he's not trying to eat us or burn us or anything yeah she maybe yeah she yeah okay so that's where so that's where i've gotten to what other let's see see the thing is in utopia is usually you end up like only picturing the what you can see right but yeah for the rest of the planet i guess i would have to yeah no one ha- has ever come on this podcast and been like if you zoom out there's a hat on the planet <laughs> Well, like, it, like, is it a planet, like, um, where there's other, you know, biospheres? Like, you know, is there, like, is everybody, are there just small pockets of small it villages whatever anywhere? you want. Um, did you ever read the Dune series? No. <laughs> Stop bothering <laughs> me. That's another awesome sci-fi thing. Well, at the... I'm going to start asking you about other types of books, but you're, you probably have, haven't read a lot of books I've read. Because I'm not, not as sci-fi as you. Why don't you talk about a whole bunch of books you read and then no, I can be like... No, it's okay. This is your episode. No, this is your podcast. But I want to read Dune too. Dune, the first one. The first amazing. one, yeah. Amazing. By the time it gets to the third one, it's like, you were just putting in a first draft and nobody edited this kind of thing. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they really go downhill. But it, what basically happens, spoiler alert, the whole planet of Dune is a, basically a desert. Yeah. The whole planet, basically. Um, well, one of my friends, it's his favorite things. Oh, yeah. DDP. Yeah. Do you know him? Yeah. 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 So he, ta- I hear, I heard about it from him a lot. Yeah. But a, did, can I just, sure. sorry to digress for two secs. Do you know Den- Dennis Villeneuve, the director? Denis Villeneuve. Denis, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis <laughs> um, the Menace Villeneuve. I've actually never said his name out loud. I always read it. So I, neither. So I got scared how I was saying it. <laughs> yeah. It's and then definitely I shamed French. you. No, no, no. I think Denis you said it very well. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve, oui. 
We yeah. <clears throat> um, you know that French director, Bag of Bagels, um, from Montreal? No. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> That's uh, as French as I can get. Okay. Um, no, Denis. He, uh, I think he's doing Dune. He is? Yeah, because he's a sci-fi head, and he made that movie Arrival, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. And then, uh, which I haven't seen yet. And I've then, heard it's great. And then the new Blade Runner. Yeah, me too. It's he's making the new be, Blade Runner? Yeah, and it's coming out this year. Ooh. So that's supposed to be amazing. And then apparently I read this article that he's super psyched he gets to make Dune. Wow. And he's a really good director, because I loved, I think he did Prisoners and Sicario, and I love those two movies. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe I won't read the book and I'll just read his or watch his version. I wonder. I'd be really interested to see. I wonder. Have you ever watched Yodorowsky's Dune? It's on that's been on Netflix. That, yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's a movie that is just great as a creator. Like, you know, like even if you're not interested in Dune as a book, like just like, why not make the the most the most ambitious, the most art? You know, like, oh yeah, why don't I have high aims? He was raising his son to be like That's crazy. That's <laughs> really like I've been training for two years. That's worse than like Skinner experiments or whatever, <laughs> like basically, right? Like you're yeah. gonna be the best karate man on film. Uh, yeah, you're gonna train six hours every single day in order to do this movie that yeah, it, that's pretty crazy. The bitterness in his son's his son was interesting. Yeah, he was very polite about it. Yeah. The sun, but yeah, you could see it affected him. But you could feel the tension through the screen. Yeah. yeah but I really like wish we could have seen Jodorowsky's Dune mm-hmm. from that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what Villeneuve's Dune will be like. <laughs> okay, so I didn't read Dune, but I've told you everything I know about Dune. Yeah. Well, my point about <laughs> Dune, we've, we've talked a lot about it. Yeah. At one point, they end up like terraforming the planet, in like in subsequent novels, they end up terraforming the planet. Um, so that people can live there, you know, without dying. But then they have to leave a certain portion of it as a desert so that the sandworms can still exist because that's how spice gets made. Yeah. Um, so I suppose there would still, so what I'm saying is on my utopian planet, there would still, of course, be like poles. You know, there's still really, you know, really coldness somewhere and and then different biomes. But I guess people would just, would you go there or is it just for you you want to be able to know that that's i want to be able to know i want i want technology to be good enough that we have the access to other people's creativity and communication that we have now because like you know youtube and everything on the internet gives us so much access to the things people write and create so yeah. i want that kind of so we don't have to have terrible rapacious you know, capitalism and destroy all kinds of forests and stuff like that. But we have enough that we can chat to those people and go there if we need to. Hobbiton with the internet. Hobbiton with the internet. <laughs> Think about that, right? Hobbiton, you know, you're farming. It's like, you know, it's a pastoral. It's gorgeous. You know, you're like, you know, your crops are delicious. That's what's good about this podcast, Utopia to me, is we brainstorm it till near the end we ha- come up with one good pitch line. Okay. It's, it's like Hobbiton with the, the it's internet. It's Hobbiton with the internet. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that we have the internet and um, the idea of us still having the internet in a nice, peaceful, back to nature civilization. Mm. And we're not using the internet for, like you said, uh, you know, like evil and maybe people aren't fighting on it and being like yeah. trolls and Pepe See, the Frog is not there. Exactly. There's <laughs> there's no uh, nimble navigators. Um, <laughs> but see, also then we'd have to go into our DNA because like... You look at chimpanzees and like how chimpanzees are and then how we are. It's like, it seems kind of in this, I don't know. It seems like we're never going to get away from the let's go make war on the, the neighboring yeah. tribe kind of thing. It's weird when you watch a documentary too and 
the two warring chimpanzee factions um they look exactly the same Mm -hmm. yeah and then you're like oh i get it i get it we're all the same (laughs) oh we're all one you know but it's it's true it's all about resources it's all about controlling resources so i guess tree yeah but then also but then also there seems like every once in a while enough like somebody who's you know like a human or a chimpanzee who's quite happy to just like pick up a baby and like dash their brains out against the trunk of a tree. You know, like it's, we're not basically, we can be very nice, but we're, when it comes to like fighting over resources, uh, we're pretty terrible. Sometimes I wonder, and this is really, but I wonder if like one of the actual main issue with being a human is that we're, uh, we're just not comfortable with accepting that uh, evil is a part of us. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. that's all it is. Yeah, but if we did, then then what would happen? If that's, we were comfortable, yeah, that's what I wonder. Then how would we? Would we be like, okay, we're evil, so everybody like go out and like have your evil day and get oh. it out of your system? Or I guess there is people like that. There are people like that yeah. because they're like better you than me type of thing. Well, I think that there's. I think that the majority of people... We're always trying to over-intellectualize or out-intellectualize our evilness. Yeah. Which is kind of like a weird thing to do. But I think there are some people who are broken, like who come out, you know, sociopathic or something. Like there's there's enough cases where you realize like some people come out, even as children, they're like... They're broke. I mean, I think that's the the tiny minority. I think most of people who are bad were probably mistreated as children i think there's probably like bad parenting and um and abuse of you know or just like terrible situations that probably bring most of them along like you know patrick stewart talks about like his dad who like came back from war probably with ptsd but nobody diagnosed it so the dad beat his mom and also him you know like it, it just it, it goes on for generations and yeah we're t- we're, yeah there's definitely those guys yeah so like you so we could be going along having a great old time and then one natural disaster hits and people are starving and get mean about it and like start like hanging onto their own. And then is it, are we just fucked forever? Well, here's like, if you think of like a weird little group, like say like the, from our comfort zone here, if we learn about the Boko Haram or something Mm -hmm, or like how the hell, but then yeah, how the hell do they treat people like that? How the hell do they have like, are they okay with that, you know, ideology? Yeah. But then us sitting here and like what we talked about earlier with like slave labor, making our clothes and ripping pigs apart for a can of ravioli. Yeah. Like, is that just like this weird detached version of being psychotic as well? I guess so. Cause we, <laughs> we love, we know what happens. But we don't really know what happens. So we kind of just let it happen. Yeah. But so if it was it, right in front of us. Yeah. We'd probably be like, Oh my God. And, um, but we do learn about it and we do know about it and, and we don't make changes yeah, because we're comfortable. Yeah. Oh yeah. So isn't that sort of like a super like snobby version of still being psychotic? <laughs> I guess so. We're all part of the psychosis. We're like, we're that aspect of just like, Oh, yeah. well that's too bad. Yeah. 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 We kind of are like, we're just not ground grassroots ground level. Like say these weird tribes of murderers. Yeah, but we are complicit, I guess. Utopia's beyond our grasp. <laughs> Help us! Oh, God. Good morning. Is it even 11 o'clock? It's not even 11 o'clock on a Sunday. <laughs> Go to church or listen to this. Um, oh, shit. I, I, I just I, had a thought, too. What was it? 
Oh, that happens to me all the time. I had a really deep, awesome thought and it's gone. Oh, and also religion, right? Like when you have a religion, my head's going to explode. Well, any religion that is like, we are fine. Everybody else is not, which covers a lot of religions, a lot of major religions. Um, you know, it's, then that's also a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Oh, but I, I know. Here's what I was going to think. Okay. You have, you have Amy now. Yeah. So you're in love with her. As we right? heard earlier. Yeah. We were, oh, she's asleep now. <laughs> yeah. She's sounds nice. Asleep. But you like, you like, it's, it's a whole new world of like, oh my God. Right. Like you love her. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when Sebastian was born looking around and going, Oh, all these other parents are also in love. Like I'm just looking at a whole city full of like people who are like quietly in love with their kids, whether or not their kids even like them. Um, and you, like, I couldn't even watch movies that fe- that featured children being mistreated in any way. For, I, I find someone. that now too. Yeah. yeah. I remember talking to Lisa Brooke and she said that she was just bursting into tears on the news because there was like a thing about a guy who was on death row and his mother was coming to visit and she was like, he was a baby. And I was like, oh my, like, yeah, he started out as a baby. He was a little baby just like the one that I love. And oh there's the, the degree to which you love your kids is so strong that now when I look around and I see people who like abuse kids or like forget about them. I'm like, that must be such a measure of what is wrong with you that you yeah. that, that that love has not overwhelmed it. Like how broken are you that the love for your kid isn't stopping all that? Yeah. Like, can you imagine like locking her in a room or like hitting her? I don't know. But like some people totally Every do time that. I leave from the driver's side to go over to the other side, the back of the car mm-hmm. um, to get her out of her car seat, I have a slight panic that what if I've lost the keys yes, and she's yes, stuck in there. Yes, exactly. Like every yeah. single time. Oh, it's yeah, so I, crazy. I'm always picturing does that when, And then there are people that are like, stay here, kid. And then they go disappear forever and leave them in the car forever. Yeah, well, that's what my mom did when I was a kid. Like, I remember tons of times when I was like six or four or whatever, just like sitting in the car for an hour. I don't even, had, even know if I had books. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, but that was the 70s and that was uh, in You would just Bay. open and close the uh, ashtray like over yeah, and over again a million times. play with the buttons, times. imagine stuff. Yeah. Um, um, I never had a kid seat. Like there was just, you know, I just remember like putting the strap to the thing behind my, to the, the seatbelt behind my head. Cause it, there was just no kid seat. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, but it's so, uh, like okay, the feeling. So the person that the d- person doesn't who care about, doesn't care about their kids. Like, that who just, are they? Who are they to, you know, how terrible that they are like that but then that just leads to dystopia i think like you know i think you just say on it shown again and again that like terrible parenting leads to bane basically you know yeah (laughs) or whatever you know it's oh did you know that also in his in his speech apparently there's a line that trump had in his speech that bane says in one of his speeches i can't remember what it was now something about giving back to the people or something like that. i didn't watch the inauguration speech I. i really didn't want to but i was busy anyways but apparently it was like just angry like he's still sort of every time you see it like yeah you're right it is this narcissistic thing he's like every time he's he's the president Mm -hmm. now like that's fucking psycho to say yeah but he's the actually the president and every time he gives a speech now he's still campaigning in a weird way it's like you don't have to do that man yeah like you won you beat everyone to a pulp but here's one thing okay so to go back to what you're talking about one thing that i because we should wrap it up soon but one thing i that I don't think has come up really is uh, on this podcast before is the idea of <clears throat> like 
the utopia not being possible, not uh, more because we're like we're not just one big wave of the same like-minded. Yeah, like we're going to be screwed by broken individuals totally. like forever. I mean, think about even That's America. An interesting idea. America started off as a utopian society. They left Europe. They're like, we're not going to be subject to religious persecution. We're going to make a perfect society. And, you know, they were all like hoping for that. And it must have seemed utopian, like even to, you know, like to the, we'll say like, you know, the pilgrims or whatever, you know, the, the, um, what was their religion? What were they called again? I forget. The, Jesuits? No, no. Well, some of them were Jesuits, but like a lot of it was religious, um, religious idealism. And yet like, you know, a couple hundred years later, like the, the nature of our DNA, like you can start off with all these great ideas, but you're still going to pop out some terrible apples. You know, like you can, like we're always going to kind of come back to the, the the mean of like having people who are selfish or don't care or, you know, capitalism. Capitalism is, is a big... I love the idea of like a mother seeing like <clears throat> her seven-year-old son like torturing cats or something and be like, why are you doing this? You were born in a perfect country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that can happen, right? It's like... yeah. Yeah, it's like the classic, like, oh, I came from nothing to give you a good house, but the kid doesn't know that. And they're just like, yeah, I'm a dick with a lot of money now, you know, like... Yeah, the kid's like, I know a good house, and that's it, so mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Because of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why there's, like, so many more comedians these days, too. Because mm-hmm. we're all born in this, like, super comfort zone. We're like, hey, why don't I just take the piss out of everything for my whole yeah. life? <laughs> yeah, because I can, man. Yeah. And way. there's so much to take the piss out of. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah. So can we summarize where you, you're in Utopia right now? Sure. So we're living in Hobbiton. Either way, and I just want to say too, even though we didn't establish a super amount uh, for your world, at least we discussed Utopia a lot. We really thoroughly discussed it. Like even in our real world. I love it. Yeah. It was really nice. Thorough. So my world is like uh, natural, you know, very little um, stopping the natural beauty of the world. Low population. For me, personally, living in Hobbiton, nice little village, round houses, comfy, lots of lots of bounty of harvests and stuff like that. Friendly animals. Oh, and then my, my village is filled with the comedians that I know, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, friendly animals, dragon comes to visit, um, high level of technology so we can communicate. Like, so Hobbit with internet. Yeah. Um, but then also like really good child care and female reproductive health that's nice yeah (laughs) (laughs) and um a slow reproductive like so like there's something keeping the population from growing too much so we just like stay pretty stable yeah there's not that many of us maybe it's just like implanted in everyone's mind that it's reasonable to have one child it's Mm. not like even a law it's just that's the way that's we just th- way we you do think. It. Yeah, that's the way we do it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Lots of sex still, but it just doesn't uh, result in pregnancy that often. Oh, God, I would love that. And time relaxing. Yeah, the kid runs off to some other person's <laughs> hut and you just, you know. Yeah, get, get the it. hell out of here. Yeah. 
Um, okay, that was very nice. Did I, you have fun? I had a great time. I'm just getting going. This is. I know that's I the could thing. Talk about this stuff forever. I know that's the thing. Sometimes, well, because I'm trying. Like we've already gone over an hour. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. That felt like about twenty minutes. I know that's the thing. I've done. Uh, some of have gone too long because you just forget. Yeah. Well, I hope people were interested and and listened. If you ever come up with new stuff, we can definitely do a part two. Okay, well, I'll think about that. I'll definitely think about that. And, uh, yeah, anything else that I should... Uh, Baroness Von Sketch Season 2 is coming out soon, It's right? going to be coming out in June. June? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> Same time as last year. It's a summer show. Yeah. And then... Uh, on new- CBC. On CBC. Newborn Moms, if you're in the States listening, or you have one of those things that fools the internet into thinking your computer's in the States, you can watch it on ABC Digital. Oh, also, there's another, there's another little web series that I was part of. I didn't create it but i was in it it's called the writer's block and dave tomlinson and matt watts wrote it and i got to be in it with them and it was like pretty sweet okay they're uh, we're trying to develop the second season now it's cool and yeah. that the first one hasn't come out yet it's on youtube oh it is there's nine episodes yeah okay yeah and it's about um people trying to write a show and just procrastinating basically but i really 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 enjoyed doing that one yeah i don't really know Dave, I know Matt is just like a writer yeah. times three thousand. Yeah, yeah. He and Dave uh, did it together, and sweet. Yeah, so we're trying to get a second season happening for there. So I highly recommend it if you're at work. Okay, so watch those things and also listen to this. Uh, and then that's it. Thanks so, Thanks much, so much, Chris. This yeah. is a great way to start a Sunday. I know it was very fun. Yeah. Thank you. All right. That was Aurora Brown. Aurora, thanks so much for coming on and having fun. It was uh, such a blast. And uh, everybody, please, again, check out Baroness Von Sketch and uh, keep an eye out for also uh, Newborn Moms playing out there online. And follow her on uh, Twitter to get updates at Aurora Brown with an E on the end of Brown, Aurora Brown on Twitter. And that's that. There you go. So what did you do? Did you get pulled over? Did the cops pull you over on your tractor when you're zooming away? Listen to this on your uh, iPod mini with the one with the clip that's clipped to your your shirt, your blouse. Did you do you clip your iPod? Here's the thing. Send a message to Utopia to me at Twitter at Utopia to me and let us know if you clip your iPod mini to your blouse. I want to know where you clip your iPod mini to when you listen to all these beautiful podcasts. I had such a fun time. We're going to we have more guests lined up like I said. We're back. Um, you know, everything's going on. I'm a family man now. My stand up is coming back. So keep an eye out for the, all that stuff, but I'm glad to be back here chatting with uh, great guests. And thanks again everybody for sharing about Utopia to me and telling people about it and sending me such nice messages when we were during uh doing a hiatus. Um, I really appreciate it. So thanks so much again. Follow us at Utopia to Me on Twitter, me at Chris Lock Fun on Twitter, and we will talk to you soon um, when I come over for dinner uh, on a holiday. Okay, peace. Enjoy yourselves. Climb a tree. Thanks. Bye.